Are you ready, Ma? I'm ready. Are you ready, Christine? I'm ready. Let's go. Before we go, let's say happy anniversary to Christine. This is her year anniversary on Gone with the Bushes. Ooh, hey, hey. Drinks all around. Ooh. Ah. Okay, let's go to Catalina Island. Oh, that's where we are. Well, that's where it starts. I've never been there. No, I just know about it because of the horrible tragedy of Natalie Wood's demise. Oh, that was where that was. Yes. So we're going to Catalina Island, but we're going to spend a lot of time in Los Angeles as well. The glass bottom boat. (laughs) A widowed writer is mistaken for a spy when she is hired to write a biography of a handsome research scientist. What could go wrong? Madcap ensues. Madcap. Lots of physical comedy. Uh, Yes. Erin, the particulars? Okay. The Glass Bottom Boat, a.k.a. the spy in lace panties. What? Oh. But I never found anything else about where that name came from or anything. We so. certainly never saw her lace panties. Hey, I, I knew that we were in for a wild one when I went to rent this thing and saw the cover art. It was like, what is this? Oh, I didn't even notice it. Oh, yeah, it's it's Doris I Day. I knew we were in for something when last week you said mermaid. <laughs> yeah. Indeed. Okay, so the Glass Bottom Boat was released June 9th, 1966 the summer blockbuster oh that's my mom's birthday oh, oh wow i don't not that year but <laughs> she's, she's older <laughs> oh, 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 oh. well happy birthday mrs mapes produced and story by martin melcher who also <laughs> produced pillow talk please don't eat the daisies that touch of mink now, remember when we did Pillow Talk that he was married to Doris Day and he died in 1968 because he had an enlarged heart, but he was also a Christian scientist, so he refused medical services. Oh, wow. After his death, Doris Day found out that he had embezzled millions from her, <gasps> committed her to the Doris Day show without consulting him, and Doris Day was left badly in debt. So she subsequently sued his business partner and there was a 99-day trial and she was awarded $23 million. But the partner filed for bankruptcy in 1977 and so she ended up getting $6 million paid over 23 annual installments. And just to put into perspective, because I think sometimes we just lose perspective with millions and billions and all of that. So 23 annual, $6 million over 23 annual installments would be $260,869.57. So if... I'll take it. Can you about every year get that? That's... Oh, Every year she got that? It says in an annual, paid over 23 annual installments. Oh, 
And that was just, but the sad thing is, is that that's a mere pittance of right. the money of that she, she lost. Yeah. Right. Okay. It was produced and written by Everett Freeman. He also wrote It Happened on Fifth Avenue, George Washington Slept Here, and Miss Grant Takes Richmond. Directed by Frank Tashlin. He was an animator, cartoonist, children's writer, illustrator, screenwriter, and film director. He was behind a lot of Looney Tunes and Mary Melodies cartoons. What was his name again? Frank Tashlin. Also known as Tish Tash. Which I thought was kind of hilarious. And it kind of makes sense, his background in comedy, because he did a lot of visual gags. I think like also the Marx Brothers and stuff and and the cartoons and that like this movie was very cartoony and had a lot of cartoony gags Mm -hmm. it was he also directed Susan Slept Here oh oh okay but I'm kind of like that seems about right he sure did this is making sense to me now I was like okay Pillow Talk that was my movie of the year but now Susan Slept Here it's okay yeah. All right. Like, all oh, bringing it full circle. You're like, oh. Yeah. He also did The Lemon Drop Kid and The Girl Can't Help It. The music is by Frank DeVoe. He was an actor. In addition to being an arranger and composer, he acted in The Parent Trap. He was in that. He was nominated for his score, his work on Pillow Talk. Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte, Cat Baloo, and Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. He also wrote the theme to a bunch of TV shows, including The Brady Bunch. Oh, wow. Here's the story of a lovely lady. The director of photography is Leon Shamroy, which I think is a great name. Leon Shamroy. Leon Shamroy. He had he was nominated for 18 Academy Awards during his career. He had four wins. He won for Cleopatra, Leave Her to Heaven, Wilson, and The Black Swan. Um he also so he, he had he got into his start. He was from um his father, I believe, was Russian came over to visit his brother he loved america so much decided to stay so this guy is here and he got into doing cinematography doing experimental films and he i believe he worked on the first silent film that was ever shot without title cards you know he so he was very much into experimenting he also worked on what I discovered and blew my mind yesterday, a MGM had mm-hmm. a series of films starring dogs as people <laughs> called the Dogville Shorts. And specifically, he worked on So Quiet on the Canine Front. And it's available <laughs> on Vimeo. I watched all of it. So did I'm I. Gonna, I, I have to watch it again. Just so many things. The dog with the roller. <laughs> I mean, at what point? Because it's it's a it's all quiet on the Western Front, which is about war, so it's very heavy subject matter. And they have these dogs going around. I, uh, 
it just just wow just wow he also just when, just when you would feel really bad for the dogs because you could tell how mistreated they were something oh my God. hilarious would happen. oh i know mm-hmm. and the, and well but then something hysterical would happen and you're back in and i found myself tearing up at the goodbye scene when these the dog children are going away for war and there's the, the mom's dog is crying the father dog is like there's a Mama lot of kerchief oh, oh man also i read the series was even controversial at the time yes the methods that they used to make them pose and talk like oh, that's wow. pretty bad if it was controversial in 1931 as how you were treating these dogs oh, like can wow. you imagine what they were doing oh Let's just say I started, I couldn't find, the only one, the full one I could find was So Quiet on the Canine Front, but they also did a Stormy Weather one, and I I just saw the very beginning, and it's just these, the dogs in a nightclub, like, forced to dance on each other, drinking, smoking cigarettes, one of the dogs is lighting a cigarette and smoking, it's oh my God. It, it's insane. So yeah, that's where this guy, he he was involved in that. He also shot Stormy Weather, Planet of the Apes, and to bring it into full Gone with the Bushes universe, Porgy and Bess. Oh no! Not only did oh, this wow. guy responsible for for a film so quiet on the canine front that I will never forget and probably see (laughs) many more times because literally every single human emotion you can have, you have in these 15 minutes watching this film. But he also shot the great long lost golden chalice of God with the bushes that is Porgy and Bess. And has one of the best names of all time, Leon Shamroy. Just fantastic. Um, and oh my gosh, there was so much this guy. Listen to this nerd alert. Although I tried to Google more about it and there was nothing. So this Leon Shamroy, he had a bit of uh cocky street. He was um, you know, he he thought he was the bee's knees, and he <laughs> At a certain point, he went around Europe, around, I'm sorry, he went around Asia um, filming, but he didn't have any film permit, so he was just kind of, like, filming stuff on his own, and he was on the ship The Empress Canada, and a fourth-class passenger, and this is according to Wikipedia, ran amok and stabbed 30 people to death two days outside of Yokohama. Your Yokohama. So they're two days away from land, and this guy on the boat stabs 30 people to death. Wow. I don't know, though, but I couldn't find any other information, and I thought maybe, like, that's a mur- that sounds like a murder, like a, like a famous murder, but there was nothing. So I don't know if this guy made it up, but then I think Tyrone Power, he was working on another movie with Tyrone Power, And Tyrone Power said that he had the same incident. But then this other thing that I was reading said that they were working on the movie that Tyrone Power was working on. And they wouldn't let them shoot on like some sort of naval naval base or some sort of situation. And Leon Shamroy went 
to the general guy and it turned out that the general guy was also on that ship and so then they let them shoot so i'm kind of like did leon shamroy just make all of this up because i i'm not seeing i'm not saying that this didn't happen but i'm also not saying that it did happen this there is one go. of those yeah. i had not enough facts to corroborate this wild story that i heard and then he goes around so he's around asia i guess this happens and stuff he goes to china japan this is all before world war ii world war ii breaks out he gives his films to the War Department, and he's like, yeah, they use my films to make the bombing target. Say, look at me. <laughs> so I don't know if Leon Shamroy is like this zealot figure, Forrest Gump kind of guy that just stumbles his way, or Leon Shamroy is a cocky-ass son of a bitch with great stories. Don't know. Either way, he's a cocky son of a bitch with great stories. <laughs> exactly. It was edited by John McSweeney Jr. He also edited Please Don't Eat the Daisies, All the Fine Young Cannibals, uh, the TV show Charlie's Angels, and also the TV show Trapper John M.D. The cast, starring Doris Day as Jennifer Nelson. Did you know that Doris Day was 44 when she made this? I, I knew she was kind of long oh enough to be she playing in this role. Oh, I thought she looked great. I thought, I thought she, she looked great too, but I felt like she was kind of tell around the eyes, just just yeah. a touch, ever so much. I was being nitpicky. I was looking for it because I because I did. So, but did it say what age she was? No, she could have been a forty. Yeah, because I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Because we always expect if you're starting out your career, you don't have everything figured out. You might that you're like a twenty three. Right. But sometimes you're forty four. Mm -hmm. Right. She was a widow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She could have been a 23-year-old widow or a 30-year-old widow or a 44-year-old widow. Right. I had no problem with that. She was also in The Man Who Knew Too Much mm -hmm. and Pillow Talk, which were both made in the 50s, and that's why I was I was kind of like, oh, this is 66, because I got confused, mm -hmm. you know, and I was mm -hmm. like, oh, yeah, Doris Day's prime was in the, what, mid to late 50s, early mm -hmm. 60s, so. Um, yes. Please don't Eat the Daisies and That Touch of Mink. Nerd Alert. Oh, here we go. So from 1950 to 1968, she was in the top 25 box office ranking. Full stop. No for female, for male, everyone. She was in the top 25. Mm -hmm. In 1960, 1962, 1963, and 1964, she was number one. So, so wow. Doris Day was, yeah, she was. She was big she time. Was the it girl. She was. Um, okay. And her husband took all of that. All of it. Mm. But, but she mm. had a fantastic life. She just passed away in, in 2019. She was very much an animal lover, mm -hmm. an animal rights activist. Yes, big time. Um, Rod Taylor played Bruce Templeton. He's an Australian actor. Did not know that. He was in The Birds, The Time Machine, mm. and To Hell with Heroes. Arthur Godfrey played Axel Nordstrom. So I I had to do a bunch of research because I was like, Arthur Godfrey, because you told, you told that story last week about him. I'm sure you'll tell it again at some point here. He was an American radio and television broadcaster. 
And he was known, he had a whole bunch of shows, and he was known for Arthur Godfrey's talent show, among other shows. But listeners to this, if you watched or listened to A Face in the Crowd, Lonesome Roads was based on a bunch of people, but specifically how Lonesome Roads had the show and how he was with as a pitch man, how he would make fun of the product, but he could sell anything because of his wholesome, down-home relatability. And that's why his show was so popular because sponsors wanted him to be the pitch man. And in real life, that's how Arthur Godfrey was. Like for Lipton Tea, for a long time, Chesterfield cigarettes. Um, and then he got the lung cancer and he was like, these things are, these things cause cancer and they make me sick. And then Chesterfield got mad and they're like, well, we'll pull your sponsorship. And he was like, go ahead. I got a line of sponsors out there just waiting for me to love their product. And. That's yeah. That's my notes on him. He didn't really do many movies, so it was interesting. Yeah, John McIver. He was Ralph Goodwin. He was also in Breakfast at Tiffany's, The Manchurian Candidate, and Mr. Hobbs Takes a Vacation. Paul Lynn as yes. Homer Cripps. He was in Bye Bye Birdie, Bleach Blanket Bingo, mm-hmm. Charlotte's Web. He was for a long time the center square on Hollywood Squares. And hysterical. Very funny. He, um, for younger people, if you watch American Dad, Seth MacFarlane based the voice of Roger the Alien on Paul Lynn. And, yeah. And this is, fingers crossed that this still happens, but it was on the Wikipedia page, 2020 biopic produced and starring Billy Eichner. As Paul Lind. Really? Yeah. Okay. I'm all in. Because I, I read about some of Paul Lind's, uh, he would get drunk and just fight and <laughs> get in trouble. He, his, his, he had such a deadpan expression. And then he could say one line, just, he would just crack you up. I, I wonder if you can rewatch Hollywood Squares. Oh, I'm, I'm sure it's on YouTube. In the Wikipedia, oh. his Wikipedia page, he had some of his best like one-liners and stuff that he would oh, say wow. to it. Mm-hmm. So okay. we also have Dom DeLuise. Yes, we do. As Julius Pritter. He was in Blazing Saddles, Spaceballs, and History of the World Part Two, Part 1. And when I was a kid, like Dom DeLuise was just on every talk show and just this mm-hmm. like just funny dude who was. He was yeah. very funny. And Dick Martin as Zach Malloy. He's the Martin in Rowan and Martin's Laughing. He is indeed. I had no idea. And so Laughing ran from 1968 to 1973. So the Glass Bottom Boat precedes it. As far as movies, he was in. Once Upon a Horse and Zero to Sixty and Airbud Golden Receiver. Oh. Ooh. And just a little shout out to Alice Pierce and jo- George Tobias. Mm-hmm. They played Norman Mabel Faramore, but they were also Gladys and Abner Kravitz on Bewitched. And growing yeah. up, I always heard nosy people referred to as Gladys Kravitzes. So oh. she is the Gladys Kravitz. And sad nerd alert, 
she was only Mrs. Kravitz for two seasons on Bewitched because prior to starting Bewitched, she found out that she had terminal cancer and she actually died three months before the glass bottom boat was released. Mm-hmm. And apparently oh, she kept her terminal cancer a secret. She she Bozeman'd it. Yeah. So there are the particulars. Well done. So many people in this. And a very brief moment of Robert Vaughn. I missed it. I had to Google when he was in it. You didn't see it? Yeah, I don't know. It just went by me. Because I think I was probably like busy in my thoughts of all the bonkersness that's going on in this film it's a lot to keep up with so follow the best you can we start with a boat tour arthur godfrey is on a walkie-talkie to doris day as she is out on a floating a floating platform Uh, yeah yeah um dressed as a mermaid and uh, she is a mermaid with a scuba mask on. She comes up to the glass bottom boat. And I guess she's, did we ever see the bottom of the glass bottom boat? No! I don't think we did. We didn't, which is, I vividly remember seeing this movie and the end of it, they were all sitting in the glass bottom boat singing that horrible the song. The glass bottom boat? Yeah. I vividly remember seeing the bottom of the glass bottom boat. Obviously, I didn't. I don't know, Mom. Maybe you did because the end of this movie was real weird and real cut and just like like I did wonder if what happened with this ending. Yeah, yeah, I had to rewind it. I did too. And then I was still like, okay, it didn't end. I swear, just like the book I read last week, it didn't (laughs) end. but there's no yeah it didn't it crashed the landing it's coming in everything's lined up yeah yeah i I vividly remember that because i remember arthur godfrey with his ukulele it was like when they're sitting on the patio and they are um you know singing that horrible song that goes on for centuries and but they were in the boat Mm -hmm. and it was the glass okay moving on so she is swimming to the glass bottom boat. I thought it was interesting. A mermaid needed a scuba mask. I then, thought that uh, she was going to take it off when she got close and then oh. go under and then swim back and like, Oh, but okay. I, don't, uh, yeah, I don't, who knows? She gets caught by a quote, handsome man who isn't really fishing, but for some reason his hook and line are out in the water and hooks onto the zipper of her mermaid tail. I thought that this guy was Don Shula in a cameo. And I laughed because I was like, how am I going to explain on this show? But Don Shula was the Miami Dolphins coach. And I watched a lot of old NFL films as a kid. And so I saw a lot of old pictures of Don Shula as a young man leading the Dolphins in the only undefeated season in the 70s. And I thought, wow, look, they got Don Chula. And I was like, no, that was the 70s, Aaron. I don't was. And then I was like, was he a play? So, yeah, I went off on this whole thing in my head. Plus, in Philadelphia, under the hotel where we always stayed. Oh, yeah, we always went to Shula's. 
of restaurant Shula's, and there were a whole lot of pictures of him there. Okay, we have digressed. Well, as he as he is reeling in his line, it is unzipping her mermaid suit, and uh, finally he reels in her tail, and she's bottomless. So they have a lot of banter. She's in the ocean getting hit by waves. I loved it when a wave would hit her when she was talking. Oh, that was good, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but so you can see the, the tish tash at work there. This is all a cartoon bit. Yeah, the whole thing is a cartoon bit. Okay, get ready for it. So through the credits, Doris Day is singing. The, the, the name of the song is The Glass Bottom Boat, but there's a lot about the deep blue sea in it. And then we are, I said NASA, question mark. Was there a NASA place in Los Angeles? Well, yeah. I did some research. Oh. oh. And, uh, give me a minute. There, wa- there is the Jet Propulsion Lab mm-hmm. and the NASA Field Center at La, it's, it's spelled La, Canada, but I know that's not how you La say Kenyatta. it. Kenyatta. in Flint Ridge, mm-hmm. which I have no idea where that is. Always but, burns. Always hear about it on fire. Oh, okay. So they are at the MI um, place testing spacecraft and subsystems thermal vacuum chamber. They're trying to get a man to the moon. And uh, there is a man suspended in a no-gravity test. And uh, Rod Taylor is there because he has created Gizmo, um, which stands for a lot that I didn't stop and take down. Mm. But it is a chamber where they can overcome weightlessness in space. So they actually have this. Did they have it in 66? Sure they did. I was trying to do research on it, and it's very hard to find anything about who created it, or apparently you can make your own. Oh, that sounds dangerous. But you know who could? Dick Strawbridge. He could. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So so Doris Day is leading a tour at this facility. Um, Her name is Mrs. Nelson. The boss wants her to write about the gizmo project um she has to borrow a dime to call her dog her dog's name is vladimir and the only time he gets exercise during the day is if she if the phone rings so she calls him every couple hours using a a dime in a pay phone and then she got the dime back is that because nobody picked up it's like the the aldi oh because oh okay because nobody picked up, she got the dime back. How is it like the Aldi? When you shop at Aldi, you put a quarter in for your cart, and then when you put your cart back, you get the quarter back. Oh, so they keep the people from stealing the carts. Got it. Yeah. I guess. Okay. They should have um, that out here. Well, no, it, just, it makes sense if you're in Los Angeles and you see all these people with all these carts, and they well, try to yeah, do the but lock. Like, for a quarter, you're really going to, like... Like, would you be like, oh, okay, fine. I'll find a quarter on the ground. Like, I d- I I'll sell this cart for 10 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying. Okay. Um, then we're introduced to Paul Lind, who is a security guard, and he overhears Doris Day talking to Vladimir on the phone. 
He is suspicious. Doris Day and Rod Taylor meet again and have a new interaction. He is Mr. Bruce Templeton, who has created the gizmo, and um, he's quite a techie. So she starts kissing up to him because she had had a very negative interaction with him about her whole, uh, I almost said lobster tail, um, when she realizes who he is, and she calls her dog again, and the security guard is tracking her. Well, this gizmo is up for a $75 million contract, and um, Bruce thinks she is special. Now, where they're talking about the contract, they have um, all the men there, of course, who are going to give them the contract, and they have that the bar cart and they're just drinking during the middle of the day as it was in the 60s if you watch mad men man you you see that and you're like man yeah i I guess i guess y'all are mad now huh (laughs) i I mean if that's what it was (laughs) well doris day gets home and there's a huge package from mr templeton for her and she's sure it's her mermaid tail But she goes into her menagerie. She has a dog. She has fish. She has birds. She has a toucan. Um, And at one point, the neighbor's husband says, I said mermaid, not whale maid. Yeah. 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 Yeah, He calls his wife a whale maid instead of a mermaid. No, that was her father that said that. Yeah. It wasn't the neighbor. Yeah. The father. Yeah. He calls his wife. Or his girlfriend. Yeah, yes. his girlfriend, the whale maid. And then I have an, I have another quote in quotables that he says. And then he says, let's face it, baby doll, you yeah. ain't no guppy. That was my quote. <laughs> so uh, she opens this huge package and there's a very small bikini in the box. Well, the security guard, Paul Lind, is reading a security report on Jenny, a dossier. Um, Mrs. Nelson, Jenny, was called into Mr. Templeton's office. He wants her to write his biography. Now, he doesn't really. He just wants to get close to her. And it's called Project Venus. But I And I wrote in my notes, but he really just wants to get close to her. Uh, so we have the shots of them throughout this whole space center complex. Because she's following him around, taking notes about his life. So she's leaving for the night. But it was also in a throwaway line, I think, established that she's actually a pretty good writer because she wrote something for someone. Oh, it's probably some sort of technical report. It, it didn't yeah. really make much sense, but it was just this exposition. So you're like, oh, okay. So she is competent. She's a bona fide writer. She's a bona fide she writer. very accomplished. She had a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. She's leaving for the night. Okay, so the whole thing with the fishing, with the the fishing hook getting caught in her mermaid tail, and then there was something else that happened where you had to read the sign. The sign said no fishing where she was, and then he found something where there was. Um, oh, it was no in the heels. clean room because she was giving the tour for the clean yeah. room, and in order to make it be clean. Which is like this is nineteen sixty six. 
well, I'll talk about the clean room more later. But it shakes to get all the dust off, and it's it's a, one of those grates. And so it, there's a sign that says no high heels because your heel gets stuck in it, and her heel got stuck in it. And so then he had to point out, and it's supposed to be like, oh, look at their chemistry. Oh. Well, she had just seen a, a sign that's in the Space Center that said, you know, don't leave anything behind for spies to get. Burn your notes. So, so she burns a note. Because this is and, in the, the height of the Cold War. Oh, and exactly. also it's the space race. And when we get into it, nerd alerts like Vietnam is really heating up. It's all about capitalism versus communism. Um, okay. The next day... She, she's still following uh, Bruce around, taking notes, and she ends up in the gizmo somehow. There were real NASA clips. Were those real NASA clips of the like the the um, the capsule coming down in the ocean? That's how they would get back into Earth. Oh, maybe some testing and stuff. Then, yeah, maybe. some of that was real NASA clips. Okay, it looked real NASA to me anyway. Um, it's nighttime. She's still working. Um, I'm so proud to be part of this fantastic experiment. And he says, do you want to watch the launch? And so the next day, so, okay, people had done research on her because Pauline thought she was doing some suspicious stuff. And so I he, think just to be able to work in that place, I'm sure they had to go through some sort of preliminary background check in 1966. Yeah. So, um, in, in the background, it said that she makes a mean banana cream cake. Never heard of banana cream cake, but there was a whole lot of shaving cream involved. Anyway, he (laughs) says that, um, he loves banana cream cake. So the next day she brings one to him and there's a CIA dude there. And the CIA dude is asking Templeton, where is the new equation kept? And he says, in my head, and two vaults, one at the office and one here. So the CIA dude is trying to make sure that that doesn't get into the wrong hands. So he shows the CIA dude how to get into his vault. It's voice activated. Um, Jenny runs into the dude doing wiring on the PA system in Bruce's house. Bruce is planning to have a big shindig. Uh, Okay, I'll get into that later. And uh, it is Dom DeLuise who comes out of a bookshelf and steps right into the cake. Why, Why didn't they immediately put the cake in the kitchen? And a whole physical comedy bit ensues. Lots of shaving cream that was supposed to be whipped cream. They're both stuck in a trash can, but Templeton comes and saves the day. So she's going to bake him another cake because he didn't get that one. But wait, dot, dot, dot. Turns out PA guy, Dom DeLuise, is a spy. Not a good one, but he's a spy. (laughs) Then she goes into the Space Age Electronic Kitchen. This room doesn't need a woman, she says. And we see the first Roomba. 
the yep. first Roomba that obviously only works in the kitchen. I, I was going to say maybe it doesn't work on carpet because the kitchen was tile probably. Okay. And then uh, one of his contraptions uses radiation for cooking. I, but I think microwaves, isn't it some like a little bit of radiation? Probably. Yeah. Because yeah. I was told not to stand in front of one when I was pregnant with you. That's why Adam doesn't like them. <laughs> they kiss. And as they kiss, her butt moves a lever on the oven and she cremated the second banana cream cake. Well, there is a real spy at a carnival who is looking at spent bullets, and it is microfilm in the spent bullets of an arcade game at a carnival. Okay, it's been 40 minutes, and and you can see oh, where this boy. is going. This, I mean... Just it's, madcap. You just have to go in if you if things get serious and you want just the madcap live-action cartoon... With Doris Day, this is your movie. Okay, but I will say, watch the first 40 minutes and then fast forward until you get to the last 20 minutes. Yeah. It really yeah. never, it really didn't need to be two hours long. No, no it, it did didn't. not. Because I looked up and saw I had another hour and I couldn't believe it. I fell I asleep. Truth I didn't make it all Friday night. I fell asleep and had another 40 minutes to go. And yeah, I felt teeny nailed it. Yeah. I did enjoy the party just seeing what people were wearing and how many. The party? Uh, yeah. Okay. So that's a good point. Watch the first 40, get to the party. Mm -hmm. Just watch the party a bit. Uh, you don't that's have to it. Watch, watch it too much, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, we are to our POC. If we haven't sold you, we're not going to. But just listen to our banter because we got some banter coming up. Well, this is what like, we watched this movie for you. So now you can reference the you glass bottom to. boat and sound right. like, oh, look at you film aficionado. And it's just because you listen to us. And if people if people think that her outfit on the cover of the um, VCR, I'm sure it was the cover of the VCR at the time, but the cover that comes up with her in the Matahari costume, mm -hmm. that's a, a I, that's not a full minute, I don't think, no. of her in that costume. Yeah. So if you're looking for her in that costume, yeah, don't fast forward too quick. Okay, back to POC. Okay, I have at the beginning when she's giving a tour, she's giving it to six, I put African tourists. I forgot all about the whole... I didn't know who they were. <laughs> I didn't either, but we'll get to that when I get to the cast part. And then when they're having a fight, there are two Asian chefs. Mm -hmm. oh, yes. Okay, so the power of cast. Because during the party scene, I did have to... I ended, and I did have to go back and go, wait a second, was there... Did I miss any of my POC count? And so, no, no one at the party serving any of the drinks or anything was any person of color. And it made me wonder, is it better? Is it better or worse that the party staff was all white? And is it better to, which made me then think, is it better to be seen as a servant or not seen at all? Right. Well, but yes, it's better to, no. See, there, there was a part 
in the very beginning, when they're looking into the anti-gravity chamber, there was a very dark, yes. reflected person. Very, he yeah. was, because I, it made me, I went to get my pen, and then when it changed to a different angle, I went, oh, hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Not sure. I felt like it could have been someone of Indian descent, or, um, but that's where you have your people of color just sprinkled in there so that yeah. because this was a person who was working on the gizmo i mean he had a white coat and was so that's where you or let some of them be at the party they don't have to be wait staff yeah but th- th- i think the answer to your question is neither yeah like that's the problem it's not uh, it's better to be right not seen at all or as a member of the wait staff but like that's the problem is that was the only two options yeah. And what we learned from hidden figures was that, you know, people were, I mean, they came up with black women came up with ways to get to the, it's like they, they did exist, but it's just interesting that this movie came out in 1966 and what it's telling. But then I thought it was interesting that they had the people that they were giving the tour to were black people but they were dressed in African costumes. So are you meant to think that they were African, not like, like traditional African garb? Yeah. You don't want to say costume. Yeah. Not well, it is because they're actors and that is the costume that they were placed in for the purpose of the scene. And so is it, is it that they were placed in that for, because it did add extra color and extra what's going on here. But, and so that, like, playing on the exoticism, like, there's Mm -hmm. a whole bunch of stuff going on in my head. But then also that they are African, so, oh, they're tourists, but there are immigrants who came to America who are Americans because they, they didn't, they, they, their parents are immigrants from Africa. So they could still be wearing, so the people that you're looking at, those could be Americans, Right. Who are just, you know, that's their quote. They are truly, they're African, African Americans. Right. Like true African Americans. But then it's the thing where, and like they're just there and they don't say anything, which is good because they aren't the butt of any jokes. There's no joke done at their expense, but they are there. But they are there. I, I don't know. It was just very interesting. because And then I thought of the two Asian men. Because at one point when they're having the argument, the two Asian men speak to each other in their their own language, but it's not subtitled. So right. it's kind of this thing of like, well, these people exist, but they're not, no jokes are made fun of. And so at the end of it, I took from it that they were placed there for their exoticism mm-hmm. and not ridiculed. Oh, yeah. So right. it's like a step up, but it's also not fantastic because it's like they're giving you extra color and making your movie ex- like a, a, an extra spice, but you don't have to engage with any of any of it. You know, it would right. be real easy yeah. for somebody to just watch it and not think anything of it and just be like, because otherwise, like, this is a super white film. 
were they put in there just to say in 66, look how progressive we are. We're having black people in here who aren't in servitude. They, they get a whole couple seconds on the screen. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, any other cast? I have a huge one, but it's my LVP. Um, uh, no. Okay, so we are to nerd alerts. Okay. Very similar to last year, last week, yes? Oh, yeah. So this came out in June 1966. And when I started going through the Wikipedia page, I had to stop and start and come up with a coup d'etat tracker. Yes, because in 1966, according to my very rudimentary scrolling through a Wikipedia page, I came up with seven coup attempts or counter coups in 1966. Wow. Wow. Yeah, a lot. So, <laughs> let that just sink in. Um, In... But in the first one popped off the very first New Year's Day in Central African Republic. They were just like, ah, coup d'etat, coup d'etat. So that's what I was like, oh. And then I got a little bit further down it, and, and I was like, oh, there's a, oh, there's a coup tracker. So that's how I came up with seven. Uh, 66, Lyndon Baines Johnson said that we needed to stay in South Vietnam until this communism aggression is ended. So Vietnam had been going on for a while, but in 1966, that's when they really started upping the troops, committing more troops, sending more people over, and that's when more demonstrations were happening. So I kind of feel like around 1966 is when regular people who maybe only read headlines or not very like news-savvy people, but when regular people kind of were like, oh, what's this Vietnam thing that's happening and been happening? Because, and that kind of ties into what this whole movie is about. I think the whole thing with Vietnam was that they didn't want communism to spread because of the domino theory and that everybody would just go, it was just basically the Soviet Union versus the United States. And what a crazy reheatable, because thought we won that war, didn't we, guys? Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, Paul Van Doren establishes the Van Shoe Company in California. Oh, really? And I have decided on my 20th anniversary of moving to California, I'm going to buy a pair of Vans. There you go. So looking forward when to that. When is that? That would be in January of 2023. Oh, wow. I got to wait that long. Uh, who says I gotta wait? No, One yeah, now you years. have to. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the the Flintstones television show ended. Oh, I love the Flintstones. Yeah, I used fun. to watch it with my grandma. Paint It Black by the Rolling Stones came out. I see a red door and I want to paint That's it. That's got to be one of the most covered songs these days, right? Oh, I think we so. had a red front door. Mm-hmm. And my mother would yell at my brother, then paint one black. And I'm going, Ma, you got one. Don't say that. <laughs> yeah, I could see, I could see uh, Paul being real impressed with Nick out there painting the door black. 
Yeah, because Pa was real impressed with anything Nick did. The Beach Boys Pet Sounds was released in 1966, which, you know, you're like, oh, the Beach Boys. But, like, if you ever want to just put in some nice candy for your ears, pop on Pet Sounds. It is so delightful. It's just great. It's just really timeless. Um, The top five films were at number five, A Man for All Seasons. That was good. The Sand Pebbles. Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, The Bible, The Beginning, and the box office champ for 1966 is a film called Hawaii. Sounds like a rough year for film. It was It was James Michener. James Michener wrote books about, yeah, Hawaii, yeah. It was an epic novel about the settling of Hawaii and... You know, the white people go there and try to... Do you have a push. flag? <laughs> the Eddie Izzard bit. No, it's ours now. Flag. I think Julie Andrews was in it, but I could be wrong. I think so. Well, the best picture of the year at the Academy Awards that were held in 1966 was The Sound of Music. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I and agree. My last nerd alert is, since tomorrow is... Happy Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Day, everyone. Happy birthday Day. to you. Happy, Happy birthday, birthday to you. Happy birthday. Yes. I thought I would look it up and just remind everyone, remind America, that in 1966, Martin Luther King led a march in Chicago and was struck by a rock but that was thrown by an angry white mob. And in 1966, there was a Gallup poll that measured on a scale of meter. So, you know, everybody sends out surveys now. And it was rate your approval rating negative five to plus five. And in 1966, which was the last year that Gallup did it, Martin Luther King Jr. had a 32% approval rating, which means... That he, you know, they do the give or take, but he also had a 63% of America thought he was negative and did not approve of what he was doing. 63%, 1966. Remember, he was shot and killed two years later in 1968. So while you're being like, oh, we're celebrating, know that in his time, he was reviled and hated, and 63% of America thought he was doing a negative job. Because they were white, and they didn't want to um, to get moved down on the ladder of importance. Christine, do you have any nerd alerts? I sure do not. <laughs> um... So I tried are... to do one on my gravity simulator and there's nothing. Oh, I'm sorry. There's um well because it's all it's all well, there was too key. much and it was science and yeah. it was like <laughs> exactly exactly done with this and then I wrote 70 million 75 million today and I never looked it up. So there you go. This is what you get on Gone with the Bushes. We do the research we want to do. And if you hear something you want to research into, go ahead. And we'll tell you the research we intended to do. Oh, that is good. I like that. That should be a new category. This was what I was going to look up, but it would would be too long I always write down research this. 
I had Catalina in there. I got some Catalina. Don't worry. I got you covered. Okay. Oh. We're going to our negative reheatables. Ooh. I said uh, women needing to marry or have a boyfriend and being like fresh bait after a divorce. Or a and... death. They're widowed. And yeah, Oh, yeah, yeah. Oops. Um, just like she seems like totally happy. And I tell you what, if I had that many animals and I lived by myself, I would be totally happy too. <laughs> Give me at least four dogs. I don't need a man. Um, there was, Ouch! That's my son you're talking about. I mean, about. except for Adam, I'll always need him. <laughs> yeah, it's just, he fucks up. Yeah. And we oh. get divorced, minimum seven dogs in this house. Um, <laughs> All on the bed. <laughs> yeah. There was lots of fat shaming. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, the automatic kitchen was such a mess. It was so yes. messy. It just seems so messy. Even when they had the egg beaters, and then the egg beater went into the sink. It just to get it clean. Yeah. It just rinsed it off, and then water went everywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the whole middle of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, there's that. Also, I wrote this so I do I'm getting a new notebook and so I wrote this on I had to find a page that didn't have a lot written on it and I just saw that I think I wrote this to Adam while we were podcasting and just said there's a dead baby bird and I don't know what that <laughs> oh wow well, that's a dead baby bird he had to clean up Not also a negative reheatable of 2020 a dead baby bird dead. in our yard Aww. Okay, well, I have the triangle scarf because I had a couple of those triangle scarves. Yeah, you had to have them because we didn't have air conditioning in the cars yet. And so you had to have all the windows open. So that triangle scarf was to keep your hair from, um, because it would be so matted with, oh, okay. But Uh, I hate those triangle scarves. Her hair. How it all had to come from the back and curl around on the ch- on her cheek. Yeah, it gave her the, yeah. the the look of a female, like the female equivalent of the curly mustache. Exactly. <laughs> the guys exactly. have. It was yeah, it was very weird. The deep blue sea song. <laughs> a voice activated opening of the safe, like they didn't have recorders back then well yeah (laughs) um that the Roomba works only in the kitchen um 60s electronics just cracked me up yeah all those big huge pieces of equipment she answers the door at one point there's a stranger at the door and then she goes back into the house and just leaves him at the door at an open door you don't do that all this tech in this big, huge house he had, all this tech, and he only had one phone line? Yeah. <laughs> well, that wasn't, I mean, I don't know. And unsecured at that. Back then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Why don't you tell us? Yeah. You tell <laughs> us about how many phone lines you could have in 1966. Well, you you could have more than one. You had to pay a lot, but obviously no, that wouldn't be a problem for yeah. him. I would just think that, okay, anyway, uh, 60s dancing, the jerk. 
I mean, that. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. That's why I said this was one of the whitest movies we've <laughs> It was an extremely white movie. So, okay, my negative reheatables. I'm sure her neighbors loved it when she called the house and Vladim got Vladimir all riled up. But thank goodness it was a house and not an apartment. I know. Oh, my gosh. Um, so the Roomba that you say, that was in the movie. It was called The Bug. And I just laughed because I pictured them going, hey, fellas, we need to workshop this title. Not what woman is gonna want to buy something called the bug, right? Like, you know, for her kitchen. Yeah, you don't want to buy the bug. It's like, come on, workshop the title of what that is, and they come up with. But it was bug. men at the time, and exactly. Um, the at one point this woman is like, she's like, "What are you drinking?" It was at the party, and she was like, "I'm drinking hooch," and it was half scotch and half bourbon, and I just yeah. put in my notes yeah. why. But then I was I respected the rationing because that is something that I would do. If somebody gave me a bottle of scotch and I wanted to make the bourbon last, I would go half and half. I I was like, oh, okay. I kind of even though everyone knows my stance on scotch, I'll drink it if it is provided to me. But Mm -hmm. I judge people who like scotch. Tells you can give it to somebody in the street air and they'd be very happy for it instead no, no. of actually consuming it No, yourself. no. 2020 has taught me. Hey, you never know. Keep the scotch. Okay. Um, How Doris Day always ends up in her movies being picked, like she's in an argument with a man and the man doesn't like what she says, so the man just picks her up and takes her. To, it's like, hmm. Not great. Against yeah. her will. Yeah. Why were all the women passed out in the in the room during the party? I guess it was after the party. And they had just partied too hard, I guess. And there was a woman that was asleep on a couch. And then there was a woman that had four folding chairs like together that made a bed and she was just laying on it. And the wait staff was going around cleaning up, and it was like four women in this room that had one of the the of telephone line, and they were all just passed out. Hmm. And I, uh, well, I could have had something added to their drinks. Yeah, maybe one. Well, probably like ooh. Um, let's see. Um, oh, and Zach, how he assaulted her. Yeah. He sexually, Zach was super creepy with women. Yes. And also with men in that one scene. Zach was just a really creepy guy. Um, but then, and also how the Russian movies, they made the Russians look inept and dumb as spies. And then I'll put like, who's laughing now? (laughs) Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, okay, this was probably one of the biggest bones I had to pick with this movie. And that was when she picks up the phone and she hears him say that she doesn't have the brains to be a spy. And that's never resolved in the film. 
And that was why I had to go and rewind it because. Okay, I thought so too. I was like, oh, okay, now you're just fine with him. Yeah, yeah. cause they had they had a couple of fights and stuff, and he was just like, oh, I love you, I love you, but he never apologized for like that was the blow. All of it, you could say like, oh, I lied to her about the Project Venus because I wanted to get to know her and stuff. Like that would be kind of stuff that I would let go and just say, oh, you know, that w- that was his game. He was trying. He likes me. I like him. I'm not going to hold that against him. But when on the phone, he was like, no way. She She's not smart enough to be a Russian spy. She's too dumb to be a spy she went and cried in that bed and cried and cried and cried her eyes out and he never once apologized for saying that about her and then it's the movie just cuts it it, we don't even see it we it just the last thing we see is she's under the bed and mabel is is hanging over and passed out in that bit and then it just cuts with wedding music of them being in the speedboat together and you don't even see there's no sort of of what did she forgive and it and it just it just leaves you with such a bitter taste in the mouth of like oh well, I guess now she has a man but it doesn't matter that this man thinks that she's dumb when the whole movie from that point she goes like I'm gonna show them and then she starts pretending like she's a spy and he's the dumbass because he was the one that the head of his security turned it out turned out to be a spy. Like he ends up hiring this guy who's a spy. He ends yeah, up Yeah, he's the real dumb. He's the real idiot. He has a voice activated safe and thinks he's the shit and that like he every turn of his it just shows how dumb and dumb he is and she was I think superior to him in terms of social intellect and she was obviously a very good writer. And the movie just makes it end with like, oh yeah, it's fine what he did. He like she forgives him, blah blah blah. Just unbelievable. And meanwhile, you see Julius, the world's dumbest spy. At one point, he asked, "How do, how do I? I don't even know how it would defect." And it's like, my man, you're in the United States already. How do you know? What do you mean you don't know how you would defect? You would just keep on living your life, Julius Pritter. <laughs> yes. So, those are my negative reheatables. Well done. So, we are two positive reheatables because there are some. Yeah, I had a lot. I have more positive than negatives. Excellent. Oh, okay, positive reheatables. Um, I had more positive than negative. I said the thrill of the mermaid tail from in the water. Oh, when when he was on the boat in the very beginning and she was like, you cut this thing. And he was like, just throw it to me. And she was having all those waves up her and she threw it no problem right to where he was. <laughs> that was like three times. <laughs> um, the fiddly fig in the office. They I did notice plants. the fiddly fig. What's the fiddly fig? Pretty plant. Oh. Yeah. It's really Wait. called a fiddly fig? Yeah, it's got wavy. Fiddle, fiddle, fiddle leaf fig. Oh, fiddle leaf. I thought it was fiddle leaf fig. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in the market for one. Yeah. Um, The house, Mr. Templeton's house, so good. All that open air, oh, like nice, bringing yeah. the outside in. Yeah. I had the room, but as a positive. 
It is a positive. The name of the bug is the negative. No, yeah. Um, Vladimir as a dog's name. I like Vladimir as a dog's name. I mean, all her animals. And she really cared about them. The fact that she was trying to, like, she was worried about his exercise. Mm-hmm. I'm sure she was walking him. And she just wanted to make sure he was getting enough. And then I said the beginning and the party. Mm-hmm. Yes. There were parts that I really liked, and I found myself when the party was happening, and she was on the phone call. I was like, "Oh, okay, I'm I'm back in. Like, I like this." Part. Right, right. Yeah, the party was good. Mm-hmm. Okay, I had real NASA footage. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul Lind, he just cracks me up without him saying anything. I liked her wardrobe. Mm-hmm. I liked the dress she wore, the pale blue dress with the piping, and then the the coat was the color of one of the stripes of the piping. I liked her yellow coat, her yellow jacket. Mm-hmm. Was that the jacket that had the sailor back to it? Mm, it had like the sure. white square. She had one jacket where it had like a sailor back to it. I was like, I kind of like that. It's very sailor-y. I, yeah. I liked how the jackets were like the inverse of the, of the clothes. You know, like if she had a mm. white shirt with green polka dots then the jacket was green with white polka dots you know that mm-hmm. kind of thing um dom de Louise. and aaron did you notice the fireplace the mm-hmm. fireplace was like the one at bethany beach where we stayed in when you were just a little girl i don't i didn't take it in okay yeah it was a fireplace like they had at, the, at bethany beach those are your goods those are my goods my goods, I got a bunch. Settle in. Catalina Island, I've never been to it, but it's by where I go for my favorite beach place in mm-hmm. Ventura. They have, they, oh my gosh, the best fish and chips out there in the harbor. And at the harbor, they always have tours to Catalina Island. And you should go on one. I definitely, I'm out there. I definitely want to go out there because, and there's like, because it's it's an island and it, I don't know it just seems kind of nice. Um, Vladimir's casting, I like the dog mm-hmm. that they cast as Vladimir because that isn't the kind of dog that you typically see cast as a dog. He seems like one of the terriers in Was the terrier breed. He wasn't a Jack Russell, but I mean, that's like a car- like a Carn Terrier or something. Yeah, he oh, was okay. like a longer haired sort of terrier, but he wasn't. He was a nice medium-sized dog. I like the size of him. Um, the clean room. Need I say more? <laughs> well, except for how dirty the clean rooms uh, was to get into it. I mean, well, in reality. The idea of the clean room, I loved it. But my bad reheatable was the protocols in place before you could enter the clean room. I found them to be very lacking. Yeah, you got to you got to get the Roomba in there once in a while. Exactly. And so all of I love the the 60s kind of foreshadowing of technology. Like this is crazy and now, you know, we have Alexa, we have Siri, we have Roombas. Um cell phones alone would have done a lot for this film (laughs) exactly but it's just funny like you were saying how technology is always just a box covered with silver paint and blinking lights (laughs) yes yes and then to see what happens 
the spy tech, like when they shot the bullet and it was in the casing and he got the microfish, that reminded me of the spy museum, the International Spy Museum, which is mm-hmm. in Washington, D.C., and it was so much fun. And I looked it up and they're doing virtual tours. So you can go ahead and and check it out virtually and you'll see that that whole microfiche in the bullet casings is like real and that they would do stuff like that. And it's wild. Uh, Also, the olives on the (laughs) hors d'oeuvre tray. Yeah, I thought that was hilarious. And they also like those hors d'oeuvres looked good. I I wanted to. I wanted some hors d'oeuvres. Yeah, you know, I I, I was like, oh, man, Teeny and Poogie Man probably have a nice charcuterie going on right now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Que sera sera. I freaking love that song and i laugh because it's like is doris day contractually obligated to include this song in every of her film appearances but it's one of those things where when she started singing it i kind of rolled my eyes my cynical 2021 eyes but when i you think about it it's like she's given the people what they want like yeah. and I, it won me over because yes, that that is ultimately I I will not say no to Doris Day seeing K Sarasara at any point. I also have to say that I love the slide in the Family Stones cover of K Sarasara. What will be will be because honestly, That's what will truth. be will be. That's, um, that's all we got. She's saying it. In- Oh, this is a tasty nugget, but she's saying in three of her movies. Yeah, it's just, it's, yeah. The Man Who Knew Too Much, we already did. Mm-hmm. This movie, and Please Don't Eat the Daisies. We're going to have to do Please wow. Don't Eat the Daisies at some point, because it's just all over. It became a um, a 60s TV show, too. Oh. I used to watch Please Don't Eat the Daisies. Was somebody eating the daisies, and that's why we had to say Please Don't Eat? But we'll find I out, I guess. No. Um... The general at the party, I got re I really understood and felt where he was coming from. He was very much guilty until proven innocent. And I found his philosophy to be my COVID-19 philosophy. But that is your COVID. Everyone has it. Everyone has it. And so just when he was going and he was so suspicious of everyone, I was like, you know what? I know you're supposed to be a buffoon in this, but my guy. Game recognizes game. <laughs> um, Homer slash Paul Lind. I thought it was hilarious how well and detailed his character was able to just put together his drag outfit. And it, it was just funny because he was, he even ha- he had everything just like, oh, no problem. I'll do it. Had the, had the wig, had the the dress in the shade that he knew was flattering to him. I didn't know if that was, I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to reheat that. I know. I didn't know if it was positive or negative. They didn't really make fun of it that much. Exactly. Yeah. I wonder that as well. Like if somebody who is transgender, because I don't like, I was thinking, was this one of the clips that they showed on disclosure the documentary about it but then there wasn't i mean they were definitely doing it to 
get something over on somebody and it wasn't like genuine you know like mm-hmm. i definitely still think it was he wasn't the brunt of a joke right yes but same thing with like the power of cast he wasn't the brunt of a joke but right he wasn't right. in a position of power or doing it because it wasn't just like oh look this guy this is someone who is trans it right was like oh, right. okay but Ha-ha, this guy's dressed as a woman to get what he needs but also though if you were a little boy who liked dressing up in women's clothing in 1966 i just wonder like i think that that would have been something that you would have really latched on to because he wasn't yeah, murdered it wasn't the he did it well yeah he and did it and, well. and he and everybody was laughing and it was comedic but yet also this guy he pulled it all together so it it just the un, like the subtext of it of like oh this guy this isn't his first rodeo like the character right. of homer and right. stuff and right. so that he had all of this and he was wearing it and i i wonder how that would be taken because i think that would it would it would assume and i know that's problematic of me but i would think that cuz you're not seeing anything that you see that and it would be like invigorating for lack of a better word like you would be like sit up and be like oh wait paul lynn is just as a woman and you know like he's not getting beat up for it and he's even though he's on a mission and he seems very comfortable in it and also paul lynn was homosexual but nobody ever talked about it but yet it seems like everybody knew yeah Yeah. so i i don't know It, it yeah it is that I think this in 1966 is the best of what we could possibly hope for. Yeah. Yeah. Don't ask, don't tell. Yeah. Okay. More? Um, yes. I liked how Alfred, what's his name? Alfred Godfrey, her father, Axel, Axel, Arthur Godfrey. Arthur Godfrey. So Arthur Godfrey the, the part that I didn't mention was that Arthur Godfrey, you know, everybody loved him in his down-home ways, and then it came out later that he was actually kind of a dick and stuff. But um, he, I liked how, so in the part, this, this part of the movie where she's turning the tables and it's like, oh, you think I'm too dumb to be a spy? Well, I'm going to make it like I'm a spy. And she calls her dad and gives him these like directions and her because there are no cell phones so we she can't text what she's up to so her dad at midnight is he's the the captain of the glass bottom boat he gets out to go see on his daughter and i just love the dad move of how he went out at midnight to see this weird thing that his daughter got into decked full out in his Cap- nautical captain attire with the blazer the shirt the little hat and i just to check i was like that is ultimate dad move right there like i'm gonna go check on my daughter but i still have to have the nautical gear on and then finally the music like there's it was so cartoony and when she got mad, how there was the angry harmonica made me laugh so hard because it was just this harmonica blowing as she's walking and all of the accents that it did. Like, the, that guy, who who was the, the music guy? Because he did so much work. Frank DeVoy. Vol. Frank DeVoy. 
Wow. <laughs> I didn't even notice that. So much. It was so cartoony off the bat. That's why I when I, I, I... It sounded like a long sitcom. Yeah. Like, Ooh. A long episode of Bewitched. The whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Okay. Quotables. Well, I did. Uh, I did mine through my retelling. I did. May I borrow a dime, please? I have to call my dog. Mm-hmm. Um, I even put that down. I'm like, "Teeny's quotable." Should that be the the? Because I always forget. Should that be the quote for the movie? Yes. Yeah, I have to call my dog. Okay, I have to call my dog. <laughs> um, to a big dope. I don't know what that was, but that's... I wrote it down. I love calling people dopes. <laughs> dopes is dopes. very satisfying. And then I wrote this down because I thought it was so funny when she did it. <laughs> then she cheers and she said, Nostrovia! Just <laughs> <laughs> to freak them out. My dad used to say Nostrovia all the time. <laughs> uh, I, uh, yeah, you already did the let's face it, baby doll. You ain't no guppy. But that made me laugh. Um, You did the, uh, this kitchen needs a woman. He said that at one point. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, no kitchen needs a woman. Right. Um. <laughs> Somebody said this, and it's very innocuous, but ever since I hear it, it always makes me, brings back this memory, and I'll always laugh every time. I had a coworker who had this whole bit, when I went to the video store, this guy had this whole hilarious thing about if anyone says the words, and another thing, that anything following it is not going to be good. Right. <laughs> I did notice she said that. I kind of like that. So it's and like, another thing. And another thing. And so anytime I hear and another thing, no matter the context, I instantly bust out laughing. Because he was so right. He went through all of it. And, and so then when you have customers come up, and somebody would be like, and another thing. We would just bust out laughing at it. Um, And then I laughed the hardest at this part. It was Dom DeLuise. He's, it's the whole bit with his leg is stuck in it. It's going on like a really, really long time. But he finally gets his leg out and he's walking around and he goes, Oh boy, I tell you one thing. I cannot go through life like this. And just the, his delivery and the way that he says it and with his gestures, I was cracking up at that. Yeah, he was good. So uh, those are all of my quotables. I have one more. I think it was Dick Martin uh, said, you wouldn't hit a coward now, would you? <laughs> okay, we are to LVP. Hmm. Yes, I have. A, yes, yes. Um, I put Homer. Is that his name? Oh, Paul Lynn. Ooh. The security guard chasing her around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, mainly because I just didn't get it in the beginning. I was like, what is this dude so obsessed with her about? Well, yeah, everybody was obsessed with anything that looked like it could, I mean. Yeah. Be I just didn't like him. Not. Well, 
My LVP is the caucasity <laughs> of pretending to be a spy with no consequences. Oh, that's true. I never even thought of that. If you were a black person and you were calling Vladimir, do you think they would have done all that? You would have been. Well, I know that y'all said that you like the name and I do like the name. But in my mind, there's the voice of like, but you can never have a dog named Vladimir. Like, that's just in my DNA. Not an option for me. Yeah, I mean, seriously, she felt like, yeah, I can just pretend to be a spy and nothing's going to happen to me. I'm Teflon. That is so true. That's a good one, Ma. That caucasity. True. Well, mine is on a similar tip, but... So I mentioned how I thought at the beginning, this guy, like, oh, look at this guy. He's Don Shula. And then my second thing I said was, ooh, 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 I am not liking this man's energy. Just right off the jump, I am not feeling this right now from this guy. And so the whole movie, it's just Rod Taylor's energy, just what he's bringing to this. Don't need it from him right now in my life. I've never heard of him. I've seen the birds and I was just like, just what he is rocking and that kind of thing of the sixties. He's the idiot, but he thinks he's the shit. It's just, it's, it's caucasity. It's just male caucasity that I, he never apologizes. Um, why does he have a hotel? He built a hotel or a, I would say it's a motel, but nobody can drive up to it behind his house. He's got all these rooms. He just everything that he was rocking. I couldn't I, I couldn't believe because, you know, you watch these movies and it isn't isn't a race issue because, you know, we got Paul Newman. You got Cary Grant. But I'm just like, yeah, you see, Rod Taylor, I get why he isn't. A Cary Grant. He's not a Jimmy Stewart. I just didn't like his energy. And I don't know if you can remember this, Ma, like how much you would be have be aware. Once I found out, because even before I found out, but then it cemented it. Once I found out he was Australian, I was like, he was coming at me with some Mel Gibson energy. And I don't know if it's... 2021 and how the whole Mel Gibson thing play ended up playing out that I was, but I was very much not buying into like, look how charming and great I am. And I, I wanted none of it. I was just like, fuck this guy, fuck this guy, fuck this guy. He was, he was just on the prowl at the beginning. He he just, yeah, so he just represented everything that I have been force fed my entire life and that I'm sick of and don't need to see right now, especially this week. Don't need to see his just entitlement, the you know, because it said handsome, handsome man or something. I put that in, in uh, quotations because I didn't feel he didn't have that. Um, he didn't have the charm. He had the. He had the what it makes your skin crawl a little bit. Yeah, he was. I mean, the guy that played Zach, the Martin guy, mm-hmm. his character was really creepy and he was playing a creepy guy, but I didn't 
hate him. Like I didn't like the character, really? but I didn't hate. Like I, I could see him acting, and then you put him in a different role, and how he would bring something to it. I'm telling you, I reacted to Rod Taylor's energy. Like it went deeper than oh put him in another role and we'll see i guess and then it made me laugh because i'm like i've seen the birds and i do not remember this man at all okay so he was your lvp yes rod taylor's energy not here for it that's good i'm glad you have that that sixth sense going on mvp i'm gonna go first because when said Dick Martin got ready for his rendezvous with the spy who loved him, not, he put on a what? What did he put on? I believe he put on a kimono. I believe it was a kimono. <laughs> My MVP. Thank you. And what kind of champagne? Was was that the good champagne that they had? or I, I kept trying to see the label. It wasn't Moe. No. No Moe Chandon. Mine was, what was her name? The main character? Jenny. Jenny. Yeah. Mine was her life. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. Like, she had six animals or something. And a nice little house. And a nice house. She had neighbors that would take in her packages. Yeah. She had a side gig acting as a mermaid in the ocean. She was tanned like you could tell the one episode like or the one scene where she was like like it wasn't these fake movies where it was like right oh this girl supposedly spends all time in the ocean but look at her like fair skin like she, you could tell she'd been spending some time in the sun yeah her freckles like, were really showing in this one going mm -hmm. over to her dad's house singing songs on the mm -hmm. ukulele and her dad lives like a on or near Catalina, I think he, didn't the dad yeah, live on Catalina Island? World. She yeah. lives yes. in LA, and she's got her parents, her parents that live at a beach house. Yeah. yeah, and it's great, and she's doing like helping out her dad at her side hustle mm -hmm. is just diving, being the mermaid. Mm -hmm. Well, that ties yeah. into and now she's got like a side gig at NASA, like yeah. Mm hmm. Yep. She really had it all in my eyes. She she did. And I mean now she's now she has even more, except she's got this guy. She's got Rod Taylor energy now, apparently. Yeah, now she's married to somebody who thinks she's dumb. So Yes. Yeah. And he's gonna step out on her because he has that energy. So she's gonna have to burn his letters. But she's in California, right. so get you that fifty percent, oh, girl. True. Get you that fifty percent. Because it's 1966. True. If what he does is true and he gets the deal with the government, this is three years before. Mil? Oh, yeah. You're coming you up. After that 75. And you know how Ooh. she would spend it? On animal rescue. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Well, ties into my MVP of this is just Doris Day. Because... She's, this is just, if you like Doris Day, you're just watching Doris Day. She's doing yeah. her funny faces. That's all it She's is, just, yeah. and I just really liked, you know, as much, you mean, well, the Rod Taylor energy. Give me Doris Day energy. How she's just, that scene where it was just done live, the glass bottom boat. And there were times where it was like she messed up and she just went with it. There's times in the movie where you could see like she messed up and she would just go with it. Right. She right. just seemed like she was just, 
Is she even and acting? It looked like when she was in the ocean and, and yelling at Rod Taylor, it looked like the prop people were purposely putting throwing water in her face and she was just going with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She seemed like a really down to earth nice person. She's just yeah, she's just just going with it and just her just her personality and being on the screen and what she's able what willing to do and that's i think that's why it really crushed me so much that they never resolved the thing about her intelligence because look at her obviously like she's a she's the star like we're not talking about rod taylor like this is doris day right she had several vehicles Mm-hmm. And um, this is this is where she pretty much plays the same character. Yeah, I mean, but that's but the the great the great um, movie stars. Like, there's a difference between movie stars and actors, and very rarely right. is that this the same thing in one person. When you're a movie star, it's your persona. So, like Catherine Hepburn, like we've we've been through this. Like, she's pretty much doing the same thing, different shades here and there. It's just people like to see you, like Julia Roberts. Sandra Bullock, like people want to go and and to be in that magnetism, that orbit, that energy. Because I was thinking when she would laugh, her laugh, that laugh probably 10 years ago, that was Julia Roberts. She was famous for her laugh, Mm -hmm. how she could laugh and everybody felt like it was a genuine laugh. And I thought that's what Doris Day had. That really, I almost wrote that down. And I remember thinking that like when she laughed, it was like a genuine, Mm -hmm. right? Like when she was saying this song, even like there was a lot of genuine. Yeah. Cause she was singing the song and she'd mess up and she'd look at him and be laughing. And he looked like he was kind of having a good time with her. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just that thing of of just being able to roll with it, and it's those moments that that's why she was box office number one because people just they felt like they were connecting to her and that bubbly vivaciousness and having right, fun, right. and she's she would do like the cross eyed things and yep. just like little silly faces. Okay, well we are to recasting. I only did Jenny and Bruce. I did too. I did none. Okay, I'm going to go first mm-hmm. because I kept thinking, okay, as she was going through this, fumbling, being bumbling, doing a lot of um, 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 who would, okay, Jennifer Aniston. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes. That's, that's her person. That's, that's Rachel. That's, yeah. That's the part she plays in every, you know, the uh, 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 and tripping over stuff. And yeah. So I did Jennifer Aniston. Okay. Because uh, the camera does love her. Mm-hmm. And um, then my Bruce, I made my Bruce a lot. Uh, uh, Jason Bateman. Oh, yeah. I can see that. I mean, because he, he can do the comedy and I feel like he would be a little more likable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. That's it. Well, so for my Bruce, I went with who who could pull this off being this rocket scientist guy and coming up with the project, Verit, Venus. Okay, maybe and... not Jason Bateman. Sounds <laughs> <laughs> like a thought. Yeah, but, but it's a good one. Well, I went with Chris Evans. Oh, my God. Then that would be the handsome man. Right? In the boat. 
And I felt like he would resolve the if he thought that she was dumb enough. I'm like, I don't really even think that he would say that in the first place. But if he did, no. I'm sure that he would rectify the situation. Exactly. Of just like that that charming, good looking guy. Like that's who I thought that the character yeah. could yeah. would be. And then yeah, for Jenny, I'm like, all right, well, who has that Doris Day thing? Who who do we have that's like a Doris Day where you yeah. where you're just basically signing on to just watch them and and also I took into account that this isn't this isn't 20 year old Doris Day you know no yeah this is because I think that's part of it with this movie is that it's getting made it's it's she's been a box office star like this she isn't she isn't at her apex but you know everybody at in 1966 knew who Doris Day was and so I went and you would just somebody you just think is genuinely a great entertainer can do a little bit of singing and you just want to hang out with them J-Lo you know I thought of J-Lo too oh. mm-hmm. I did she's going to sing something at the inauguration she's performing well, let's bless her and keep her safe. Okay, we are two tasty nuggets. Okay. I actually have a few. Mm. Let's hear them, Christine. All right. Well, the boat that yes. was the glass bottom yes. boat, mm-hmm. it sunk in 2006 after they were using, like, they noticed, I don't know. It wasn't, like, a tragedy. Everybody survived, like, they noticed that there was a gash, like a two by six inch gash or fracture on the boat. Um, and then it just sunk. Did anybody get beheaded? Nobody was beheaded. Nobody was even hurt. The Santa Monica Police Department was dispatched as a precaution. They had their own life part, lifeboat. It was the Baywatch lifeguards were involved. Whoa. <laughs> the boat's owner and captain was named Rick Parker, and his crew, John Jordan, John Sullivan, and Mike Patrick, remained on the vessel saving belongings until the last minute when they were taken away by a Baywatch rescue boat. Wow. On board the ship were 10 55-gallon drums of reserve diesel fuel. It's probably all in the ocean now. Plus 200 gallons of fuel in the ship's gas tank. Only one of the drums have surfaced, which may pose a problem for cleanup efforts. Mm. A commercial salvage vessel was en route to assist with the cleanup. This is posted in 2006 by CBS Broadcasting. Oh. Yeah. You um, know when they'll resurface? When we go to Catalina. <laughs> yeah. It's weird because I came across a thing that said that 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 the boat that wasn't the boat that sunk and that the the boat that the real boat the nautilus is in a is a modified dry dock on catalina and that there's no markers for it but locals if you ask about it they'll tell you where it is so now i'm like i think we need to do a gone with the bushes investigation i i only looked at one article we're going to need to do an... I think we need to do... But that's do a lot of detail with the... Eyes on investigation. That's what I'm saying. We need to do a, 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 a gun with the bushes IT investigation. Wait, could 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 this be a write-off on our taxes for gone with the bushes? Oh, yeah. <laughs> for work? 
Good. Yeah. Um, Let him find us, as someone once said to me. <laughs> um, I did do a little write-up about, or like not a little write-up. I didn't write anything down, but a little research <laughs> about Doris Day being Dog's best friend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so apparently she got her first dog as a child when she was recovered or as a teen, she was given a small dog named tiny to comfort her as she recovered from an automobile accident. But then Mm -hmm. she was walking the dog without a leash when she was on crutches and hit by a car died. Um, and she never recovered from that trauma and it marked the start of a lifelong love affair with the dog. And so years later and, uh, Southern California, she tended to so many strays that she was known as the dog catcher Beverly Hills. <laughs> and she often discovered abandoned dogs tied to her front gate because people just knew. Oh, wow. Yeah, um, and then in 1971, she co-founded uh, Actors and Others for Animals along with Angie Dickinson. Never heard of her. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. And she did And uh-huh. some other colleagues. Um, and it was like so much work that she was known to be like, oh, maybe I'll make a movie just to take a break. (laughs) But, uh, so in 1978, the Doris Day Pet Foundation was formed and it operates today as the Doris Day Animal Foundation. Um, and then when she was 95, but she died in 2019, I think, 97. Mm-hmm. When she was 95, she told her friends and fans, helping the animals, I can't thank you enough, but now I want all of you to go and give your babies a big hug and kiss for me. I know you love them as much as I love mine. And for now, I'll simply say toodaloo. Aww. Which also reminded me of Betty White, who was also big into animals, and she turned 99 today. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and then my last tasty nugget is I, this movie only got 5.6 out of 10 on Rotten Tomatoes, which is one of the worst. Usually the movies we do are like 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. And this one was like 50%. So I took it upon myself to read some of the reviews. Ouch. And I agree with a lot of them, but... I picked the ones that I felt described it the best. Uh, This film fails airlessly, not unlike Doris herself when she's mistakenly locked inside of Taylor's anti-gravity prototype. (laughs) Um, Doris Day sings, has a bad haircut, and an ugly dog. There's a laughable... (laughs) There's a laughable futuristic house and the red herring of communism thrown in. uh, But somehow it works and it's fun. Uh, what dog. on earth? I mean, I think there's a plot in here somewhere. There's got to be, right? Right? Bueller? And then my favorite was, not Doris's best, but far from her worst. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Oh. And somebody wrote, oh my God, so awful in a good way. That was like the... Yeah. Um, mood of all of their reviews yeah mm-hmm. yeah i agree start out hit the party scene 
It was and fun, then, but also bad. Yeah. yeah, it was bad. It was bad. Do you have any tasty nuggets? I have. Um, there was one brief moment where Robert Vaughn was in it. At the time, he was in The Man from Uncle, the TV show about spies, mm-hmm. with uh, Ducky. Ducky on NCIS was Ilyan Kuryakin, who was a Russian American spy. He was he was a spy for us with. Robert Vaughn, the man from Uncle, and he just appeared real quickly uh, because somebody looks back and is thinking it's Paul of Paul Lind in his in his uh, female attire. Paul Lind, okay, and and looks at him and goes, "Oh my God, there are spies everywhere. Even the man from Uncle is here." Um, the mermaid outfit is evidently in the Catalina Casino. Yes, but did you look to see that it's casino in the Italian meaning of casino, which means gathering place? It is not actually a gambling establishment. Yeah, I had to look it up because I was like, "Are you a Catalina casino? (laughs) Everything's coming together." And then and it's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! There's never, there isn't, nor has there ever been any gambling. It's like in the Italian parlance, casino, a gathering place." And her clothes were uh, made by Ray. Ag, ag, agian. Ah, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, who it. later partnered with Bob Mackey to make all the, the Carol Burnett, the share, all of that stuff. Oh. I was interested because I did like her clothes. Okay. Everything else was mentioned. Well, this was the second film with Doris Day and Rod Taylor. They also Mr. did Do Not Disturb. Um, Never heard of that one. I already said that the director Tish Tash, because he on his cartoons he put Tish Tash instead of his real name, and I thought that was funny. He was known for his gags, and the song "The Glass Bottom Boat" is a rearrangement with different lyrics of Doris Day's song "Soft as Starlight." Oh, and I thought that it was um. The melody of it just gets stuck in my head, and I'm, and I'm like, I know yeah. this melody from somewhere else. And I hate it. And it's way too long. <laughs> and I thought that was funny because apparently, I'm not on social media, but apparently this week on social media, sh- sea shanty songs were really big. And so I just thought it was funny that Glass Bottom Boat was the movie. Okay. Well... She brought something up that I wanted to mention, but it's gone now. Oh, man. A gem. Probably not. Um, There is a scene where uh, Doris Day is wearing a Mata Hari outfit where she has a jewel in her belly button. And I remember later when when Sunny and Cher did the Sunny and Cher show. Um, she wasn't supposed to be able to show her belly button because that was just too, too much at the time. So that well, was maybe it was different standards for TV and movies. Ah, okay. Well, that is the glass bottom boat. You're welcome. Um, you gave us some of your time, and now you don't have to watch the two hours of the movie. 
And next week, Christine, on your anniversary episode. Yeah. Well, we are going back in time. 1939. <gasps> Christine. There is also a Karen, a Terrier, I believe. Any guesses? Not yet. Wait. 1939? It's a very popular dog. The Awful Truth? Never heard of that. Nope. Okay. I don't know that movie. Is Uh, the dog the main character? It's one of the main characters. It's throughout the whole movie. Uh, Let's see... You guys have, I couldn't believe you haven't done this one. This used to be a very hard movie to find or to watch. Like, it would only come on TV like once a year. The Wizard of Oz? Yes. (gasps) Wow. Wow. There's going to be a lot of tasty nuggets on this one. I know. And I did look and it is on HBO Max. Nice. I'm excited. Wow. Just coming out. Just blazing 2021. Yeah, there we go. It's 2021. Yeah, we have not done it yet. And I always thought the movie was a lot longer than it is, but it's only an hour and 52 minutes. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, because you always watch it with commercials, I'll bet. That's true. So mm-hmm. it's usually three always- hours. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever seen it without commercials. I? Yeah, that's a good point. I never saw it in a theater, obviously. <laughs> I'm not that old. But oh. um, <laughs> my sister hates this movie, uppercase H-A-T-E-S. But I have li- lately found out it's because she was so afraid of it. So my mom, too. She was so afraid of the flying monkeys. My sister, the oh. flying monkeys really did them. Yeah, she was terrified of them. I was more afraid she of the witch. Now mm, get you, afraid. my pretty. Oh, yeah, the witch was terrifying. Yeah, yeah. The whole it's pretty terrifying. Yeah, the, it is. I mean, a tornado. Come yeah. on, that's terrifying. Well, and it's, and it's also my whole thing of like she wants to get home. So just <laughs> I was just crying from the beginning. <laughs> She's left. She just wants to go. Oh my god! Okay, next week, yes. Yeah. New one for Gone with the Bushes. Thank you, Christine, the Wizard of Oz. Well, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.